Hello everyone and welcome to the May 21st edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that a dispute between a comp carrier and their insured was not subject to arbitration. Here's what happened in the published opinion of DMS Services versus the Superior Court of Los Angeles County and Zurich Services Corporation. Diversified Maintenance Services annually purchased workers' compensation insurance policies from Zurich Insurance. Those policies did not contain an arbitration clause. Zurich Insurance also required the employer to sign annual deductible agreements that did have an arbitration provision. The arbitration provision mandated that disputes be settled by binding arbitration in Illinois, administered by the American Arbitration Association. During the same period, the employer annually contracted with Zurich Services Corporation to act as a third-party administrator for workers' compensation claims filed under the Zurich insurance policies. None of the employer's agreements with Zurich Services contained an arbitration clause. Zurich Insurance initiated arbitration proceedings against the employer before the American Arbitration Association pursuant to the arbitration provisions in its deductible agreements. Zurich sought more than $3.5 million for premiums and reimbursement of workers' compensation insurance claim deductibles. In response, the employer filed a civil action in Superior Court against Zurich Services, asserting claims for breach of contract and other theories. Zurich Insurance filed a motion to compel arbitration of the Superior Court civil action filed by the employer. Zurich argued that arbitration was required under the deductible agreement because the action against it arose out of the interpretation of the insurance agreements, including the deductible agreements containing the arbitration provision. The trial court granted Zurich's motion to compel arbitration. The court found that the employer's suit was inextricably intertwined with the deductible agreements that did contain the arbitration agreement. The Court of Appeal in the published opinion of DMS Services Incorporated versus the Superior Court of Los Angeles County and Zurich Services Corporation reversed the arbitration order. The Court of Appeal claimed that the trial court erred in compelling arbitration because the employer's claims against Zurich are not founded in or inextricably intertwined with the deductible agreement containing the arbitration clause. And now our fraud report. A couple from Pebble Beach, Lonita and Kevin McCollum, entered guilty pleas to felony charges of tax evasion and misdemeanor charges of failure to secure workers' compensation insurance. The McCallums owned the Suds Cyber Laundry located in Pacific Groves, Grove. In 2009, employees complained to investigators that the couple did not have workers' compensation insurance, were not registered with the Employment Development Department, and were pay not paying employee state taxes. District attorney investigators discovered the employer was classifying employees as independent contractors to avoid the tax and workers' comp insurance expenses. EDD investigators determined the defendants failed to register with the EDD, file payroll reports, or pay employee payroll taxes. 
The defendants are scheduled to be sentenced by Superior Court Judge Marla Anderson on September 10th. And in medical news, a new study says that Level 1 trauma centers reduce the risk of death and disability. Level 1 trauma centers provide the most comprehensive care for traumatic injuries and have to meet certain requirements, like having a specific number of surgeons and other specialists on duty 24 hours a day. Studies have found that for severely injured people, getting care in a Level 1 trauma center can cut the risk of dying by 25%. But there's been some question about whether that drop in death rates might mean more people are surviving with severe disabilities. The new study shows that care at specialized trauma centers improves the chances of a better functional outcome, that is, less disability. The study, reported in the Annals of Surgery, found that of nearly 5,000 seriously injured patients seen at a Level 1 center tended to be less severely disabled one year later. The sample included people who'd been in a car or motorcycle accident or, or, or who had suffered a fall with head, chest, or spinal cord injuries. Overall, 35% of patients had a good recovery, either back to their health, healthy selves or with some disruption in their daily activities and relationships. The odds of a better recovery were 22% higher for patients treated at level one centers versus similar patients at other hospitals. There are studies from San Diego, Los Angeles, Maryland, and Milwaukee showing similar results as the current one. Workers' compensation physicians say their fees are declining nationwide. Some doctors say that workers' compensation has long been regarded by many medical providers as being the one of the best sources of reimbursement. Historically, workers' compensation claims were reimbursed at one and a half to two and a half times more than HMOs, Medicare, and other commercial health plans. The higher reimbursements sometimes, but not always, resulted in higher profit margins. But that is slowly changing. While the workers' compensation reimbursement is generally good, it is not as good as it used to be. Illinois recently enacted legislation which reduced the workers' compensation fee schedule by approximately 20%. Other states have made reductions to their workers' comp fee schedules or are in the process of making such reductions. Tennessee is currently engaged in its notice and comment period for proposed regulations to workers' compensation reimbursement. And in February of this year, Florida's House of Representatives passed a bill to close what it termed a loophole in the workers' compensation system for physicians' sale of repackaged drugs. Delaware also reduced physician reimbursement by migrating from a usual and customary and reasonable fee approach to a fixed fee schedule. Most states attempt to limit workers' compensation costs through provider fee schedules. Many of these schedules reimbursed at a multiple of Medicare, even though Medicare-based fee schedules have no relationship to the cost or value of the medical care provided. California, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee are just a few of the many states that tie their workers' compensation fee schedules to Medicare. Other states use historic Medicare rates in arriving at a fee schedule. Pennsylvania's fee schedule is 
at 113% of 1994 Medicare, adjusted annually by the percentage change in the statewide average weekly wage. A government study found questionable billing practices in 4% of American pharmacies, particularly independent retail drugstores. The report was issued by the U.S. Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General. Government inspectors used eight measures to review the pharmacies, including average amount billed per beneficiary, average amount billed per prescriber, and percentage of prescriptions for painkillers and other controlled substances that have been and have the potential to be abused. In total, nearly 3,000 retail pharmacies were found to have exceeded the threshold that indicated extremely high billing for at least one of the eight measures. The report said that while some of this billing may be legitimate, all pharmacies that bill for such extremely high amounts warrant further scrutiny. Miami, Los Angeles, and Detroit were the metropolitan areas of the, uh, in the country found most likely to have pharmacies where billing was at issue. In Miami, questionable billing was found in 19% of pharmacies. The report also found that independent pharmacies were eight times more likely than chains to have questionable billing. The National Community Pharmacists Association, which represents owners of more than 23,000 independent drugstores, contested the findings of the report. And in regulatory news, Dr. Rapali Das has been appointed to the position of Executive Medical Director for the Division of Workers' Compensation. The Executive Medical Director manages all medical and health-related programs in the DWC and will provide policy guidance for the division and develop education and training for treating physicians. In addition, the Medical Director oversees provider networks and research plans related to medical care and represents the DWC on matters related to medical and health issues in workers' compensation. Dr. Doss comes to the DWC from the California Department of Public Health, where she was chief of the exposure assessment section in the Environmental Health Investigations Branch since 2009. Before that, she worked on air pollution issues at the California Offices of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment and was in clinical practice. She is currently an associate clinical professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Doss attended medical school at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and has a master's degree in public health from the University of California, Berkeley. She is board certified in both internal and occupational medicine. This position does not require Senate confirmation. Cal-OSHA issued over $150,000 in fines and penalties against Vista Paint Corporation a large paint manufacturer and retailing company. Vista operates 48 retail stores in the region. One man died and another was critically injured after they were overcome by chemical paint remover fumes while working in a storage tank at their Fullerton production facility. A co-worker found the two men unconscious inside the large storage vessel, which they had been cleaning with paint and epoxy remover. The two were taken to a hospital where Roberto Magdario of Los Angeles was pronounced dead. 
The fumes were confined to the area where the men were working and no other employees reported symptoms. Cal OSHA says employees were so ignorant about confined space dangers that when they saw the two workers sitting in a tank filled with methylene chloride, they assumed that they were just taking a break. The incident occurred last November when a worker was assigned to clean a 3,000-gallon tank. The worker started cleaning the tank but was overcome. A second worker noticed that the man was stricken and entered the tank to help him, a common mistake in confined space injuries. About one half hour later, a third employee walked by the tank and saw the two men sitting or lying down in the tank but presumed they were just taking a break. Ten minutes later, he noticed that they were in the same position but still thought they were asleep. Eventually, workers notified a supervisor who called emergency services and summoned the plant manager. Investigators found a five-gallon container of paint stripper in the tank containing at least 60% methylene chloride. Investigators also discovered a half-face air purifying respirator in the tank, which neither worker had worn. The division cited the employer for serious violations of general industry safety orders pertaining to the permit-required confined space standard and regulations covering respiratory protection for methylene chloride. The enforcement action is part of Cal OSHA's campaign to stamp out confined space deaths. The DWC has changed the performance audit standards for 2011 audits. The Labor Code required a notice of potential eligibility for the Supplemental Job Displacement Benefit, but was repealed effective January 1, 2012. The Administrative Director has determined that the repeal of Section 4658.5c of the Labor Code should apply to all audits that were conducted using the 2011's performance standard, but not completed on or before December 31, 2011. The SJDB notice had been considered in the fifth performance factor for files reviewed in the profile audit process. The audit unit will be recalculating the performance ratings for any audits for which a final report has not been issued as of December 31, 2011, and will issue amended reports for those audits. Do government regulations and the workplace protect employees and consumers, or does the high cost of compliance merely drive companies to layoffs and bankruptcy? Proponents of each argument make their case based upon passion and little else since the available studies on the issue have been biased in one way or the other. Now, a new study designed to produce more objective results has shown that random safety inspections do indeed improve safety without leading to burdensome expense or job loss. Researchers looked for workplaces that had been inspected between 1996 and 2006 for which they could find similar companies that were eligible for inspection but had not yet been selected. They ended up with 409 matched pairs of inspected and uninspected workplaces. The researchers used workers' compensation claims over the same period to determine illness and injury rates. Companies undergoing random inspections saw workplace injuries decline by about 9% in the four years following the date of inspection, 
compared with injury reports during the same period in firms that were not inspected. The cost of the injuries reported, including medical treatment and missed work, fell by 26%. Using information from Standard & Poor's, the investigators found that the inspections had no effect on employment, total earnings, sales, or the survival of the company. The study concluded that randomized inspections work as they're meant to, improving safety while not undermining the company's ability to do business. The DWC has drafted regulations providing for the assessment of administrative penalties for workers' compensation information system reporting violations. The draft has been posted to an online forum where members of the public may review and comment on the proposal. Claims administrators have been required to submit comprehensive information on occupational injuries and illnesses to the DWC by way of electronic data interchange since 2000. But amendments to the Labor Code Section 138.6, which took effect this year, now authorize the DWC to assess administrative penalties up to $5,000 per year for failure to accurately report claim information to the WCIS. The assessment of administrative penalties for non-compliant WCIS reporting constitutes a major shift in the manner by which the WCIS operates. Previously, the DWC solely relied upon voluntary compliance by claims administrators to submit complete and accurate data to the WCIS system. The proposed regulations are sections 9705.1 through 9705.2 of the Administrative Director's Rules in Title VIII of the California Code of Regulations. And with that, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.